Hello, it's me, Alice, popping in before this week's podcast to invite you to become a World Urban Parks member. Share knowledge, get inspired, and stay up to date with the world of parks by taking advantage of what the membership has to offer. From an expansive digital library and expert directory, to a preferential attendance fee for yearly international conferences. What are you waiting for? Sign up today by visiting worldurbanparks.org. Enjoy your episode! Do you know data science can help us create more equitable park systems? Today, we have the chance to chat with Mindy Watts, principal at Interface Studio, a planning and urban design firm based in Philadelphia that works towards creating more equitable park investments. We're talking everything data analysis, visualization, and GIS, and how digital information can aid in participatory park planning. Mindy also has a background in printmaking, so we also get a chance to discuss what lies at the intersection of data and art in the quest to create more equitable cities. I'm Alice Landon, and this is PodParks. PodParks, the podcast for the park-minded, brought to you by World Urban Parks. Welcome to Pod Parks, a podcast by World Urban Parks. I am Alice Landon, and with me today is Mindy Watts, principal at Interface Studio from Philadelphia. That's right. Mindy, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. So, Mindy, today we're going to talk about equity in public spaces from many of its angles and crevices. But before we start, I would love to know more about you and who you are in the urban design world. So could you tell us more about your trajectory? Sure. Um, I always start um, back in my days as an art student. Uh, So I loved making art and communicating information visually Um, as I was getting close to finishing my degree, I realized that art was pretty personal for me and I wanted to do work that was more socially engaged. And so I sort of stumbled into planning, um, but it has been a perfect marriage for me of, you know, a creative field that is um, socially impactful, but where I can still really use my training in visual communication and and design um, to tell stories about the data that I use in my work and also to you know, help facilitate dialogue about what's going on in our cities and in our parks. Awesome. So much of your work has been focused towards diversity, equity, and inclusion. Tell us about some of the projects that you have been involved in. Sure. Um, So Interface Studio is a kind of, we call ourselves generalists. We do uh, work at a range of scales and in different types of plans. my early career, I really focused on neighborhood work, so community, community-engaged, community-driven projects at a very local scale. Um, and as I have sort of progressed, I, more of my work these days is sort of at a citywide or policy um, level, and it's through that work that I have been really um, kind of doing a lot of work with park systems and um, in particular around equitable investments in um, public park systems. And so. I think um, we look to three types of data in the work that we do to kind of guide these equitable investment strategies. We look at um, data that focuses on parks, the the conditions of the parks, access to park space, um, historic investments in park spaces. We look to data about the surrounding context. So we want to understand who lives nearby these parks, what are the issues that they face um, day to day. And then we want to hear from people. So we want to understand what do they care about in their um, 
uh, what do they want to see in their parks, what are their concerns, and we work to kind of blend data from those three different sources or to help create that data in the first place uh, to guide or to make recommendations to governments or whoever's stewarding the parks on how to direct their resources, whether that's money to fix things, money to build new parks, um, staff time to run programs for young people or seniors. Um, so I think the kind of equitable lens that we have is about um, ensuring that in the neighborhoods that need it most, um, in the parks that need improvement the most, uh, the resources are, are there, and that has not always been the case. That's so interesting how data analysis can come into play to create equity, right? How do you think this intersection can be promoted and scaled for projects in other parts of the world, especially in emerging regions. So I just finished a session um, about the work that we're doing in the United States in three different cities. Um, And we have, you know, I always say that in this day and age, like data is proliferating and um, it's more and more there's open sources and you have to have some um, technology that helps you access the data and work with it. Um, but often we find that we'll, you know, we have access to certain data sets, but it doesn't all exist. And a big piece of the project for us is always to really get to know the people who are running these parks and to sort of download what they have in their brains and what they know to be the issues and and the strengths of these various sites and to translate that into a database so that they have kind of a baseline of what are, what's happening in these parks today and Um, against which they can measure change going forward. So I think, you know, we had some discussion around, like, okay, in the U.S., we happen to have, like, very robust data sets, and um, I had done a bit of research to sort of have a sense. Some of the data sets that I use are actually available at a global scale, so they're collected by satellites that are flying above us all the time, or they're collected by, you know, major research institutions that are measuring um, extreme heat in city, you know, thousands of cities around the world. Um, But some of the other data is really granular, right? It's like on the ground information, city to city. And so I think that um, one opportunity, it seems to me, is to figure out a a place where people who are engaged in park work and in cities around the the world um, are able to kind of share those resources or provide links to here's, you know, when I have a question about how the population is changing, when I have a question about um, the tree canopy or the heat index, you know, here are some sources that I've used and here's like how you might find access to those as well. And then I think that our, the aerial photography that we have is another huge resource that's open source to everybody. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that um, uh, there are ways to use a whole bunch of different pretty simple softwares to start to map out like where are the neighborhoods where we would really like to see you know safe places for kids to play or greener places to provide more shade for the community and to be able to kind of just hover over those places in an aerial photograph and start to draw out so like where are those places they may not be a park right now but it's a public space where we might be able to add some greening or to add some programming to bring people together I think that we can start to um build our own data sets and feel, you know, empowered to do that, not expect that, you know, data be delivered to us. That's yeah. certainly been my experience. I love what you talk about with especially geographic data, geographic information systems data, right? I'm a geographic information systems analyst, ah. so I um, work exactly at that intersection. And I think it's very 
important to to note as you say it's all open access it's all public so it's all about the human capital to be able to make that analysis right and i think that's why also education in the parks profession is so important absolutely absolutely now as you say parks and public spaces you know we know that they support health and they support social cohesion environmental awareness among many other benefits but throughout history park access has been greatly different among regions and communities and what this has led to is a huge inequity where the most vulnerable communities have the least access to parks Mm -hmm. and this has been seen not only throughout a regular year, but also now with the COVID pandemic, Mm -hmm. where park access has had a direct relation with COVID mortality and and COVID surges as a whole. So what do you think is a common mistake when designing parks and when designing public spaces um, that you have seen, especially for equitable access to public spaces? Um, My work has been primarily with sort of designing the um, system through which we support our parks, less so about the designing of the physical spaces, though certainly my colleagues have been um, involved in kind of the the physical design of those places. You know, I think that one thing that they would certainly say um, is the importance, to acknowledge the importance of the input of the people who use those spaces, who already kind of are the ones that bring the energy and the social life to those spaces and to really, you know, make sure from the outset that there's deep listening happening and that people are involved in making decisions, um, you know, to help shape what change comes. The work that I do often is coming a little bit before that. I think cities are juggling a lot of um, demands. And so yeah, there's sort of... tends to go at the very yeah, yes. back of, of the shopping list, right? Yes. And I think there's, you know, we get into a habit of saying, well, this is how we do things and not really questioning that. And so the, I guess with the equity work that um, I've been undertaking through Interface Studio and with Jane Miller, who's chair of the World Urban Parks, um, is to sort of question that um, that past practice and to say, well, maybe we need to sort of measure what we've been doing and follow the dollars, see where we've been spending them and really kind of ask ourselves, you know, do we have the resources that we need and are we using them in the most equitable way? And so oftentimes I think that there's, you know, it's sort of like a revelation when you step back and say over over the past 20 years, wow, I didn't realize that like we'd been spending so much money in certain places in in our city or in our park system and other places have been overlooked. And so I think that to be kind of um, intentional about, you know, tracking what we are, tracking the work that we do as planners and designers and revisiting that, kind of interrogating our own process and saying like, oh, the world is changing. COVID has flipped everything upside down and maybe the parks budget was X, Y, Z and and now our parks are being utilized to such a higher degree and we need to really shift our, our mentality around those um, public services. So um, I think that you know, as we are investing precious public dollars in our precious public spaces, it's sort of a blend of saying, um, are we listening and being responsive to the public needs that, um, you know, from the people who are best um, equipped to tell us what they'd like to see in their local park? And are we um, doing our own homework to say kind of like, what's the impact over time? And And if we see that maybe there are some inequities in how we have been 
um, the policies that have been in place or the lack of policies that have been in place, how do we shift our focus and our our work um, to say, let's do things differently? You know, we have so much more information at our fingertips these days. And now, as you mentioned, you have worked a lot to research and redevelop the way we fund parks. Mm -hmm. Have you seen a change in merging park investments with public health investment, or do you think we're not there yet? Um, Certainly, um, that is becoming, I think, more prevalent in the States anyway. That's really what I'm best equipped to speak to. Um, I think uh, we have been, as a practice, using public health data, both physical health um, outcomes that are tied to increased physical activity or um, access to green space, as well as mental health and um, well-being indicators to guide, you know, in part what our recommendations are. I think we've also seen um, more interest from health institutions to kind of get involved with the, the intersection between our, our environment and our the level of greenness in our communities and um, thinking about not just where we're investing, but how to say, you know, okay, we know that this particular neighborhood abuts a highway where there's just so much air pollution because of the through traffic or because of the... Um, factory, whatever, you know, car factory or bourbon factory or whatever it is in the cities where we're working. And so to say, you know, not only are we going to focus on serving the people through the amenities that we put in their parks, but we're going to focus on serving their health and the health of the city and the the broader community by investing in trees or in um, underground green stormwater infrastructure or so forth. So I think that there is um, a real interest and appetite in understanding the impact of our built environment on our health outcomes and and people are really recognizing that the role that parks can play in addressing that we've got some really wild data um, in our home city in Philadelphia about the disparity in um, heat on a summer day between you know certain neighborhoods yeah. and other parts of the city where there's just way fewer trees and the houses are very close together and you know everything is asphalt and concrete and tar roofs and um uh so there have been some very you know targeted push from our public health departments and our our um, medical institutions to say like let's do some real focused study so yeah i was just talking to tim geyer earlier today about um how the world health organization has found some very interesting correlations between tree canopy and childbirth weight and other very interesting things that I think are worth exploring a little bit more when we talk about parks and health, right? Yes. Um, So changing a little bit course, as you told us, you have a background in art, Mm -hmm. in printmaking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How, in your experience, how can art be used to create a more equitable world? And how have you used art to create a more equitable world? You know, I think I always... Um, like in printmaking to map making. So it's about layering visual information to communicate something. And um, so to me, it's such a clear link. It's like I'm pretty much doing the same thing, except I'm no longer carving wood by hand and printing it with ink. I'm doing it all on the computer um, these days. So I think that... um, You know, our world is very visual these days, and um, a big piece of 
uh, when I used to teach city planning students, and I would say, even if you don't think you're going to be a designer, your job in sharing information, part of that is sort of catching people's imagination and engaging them in some way. And so I think that um, it's really important to be able to sort of speak multiple languages, as in, you know, your language of origin, um, as well as multiple languages in terms of the way you communicate information. And so, um, I mean, certainly art takes, has a role in our, in our cities and our, the way we design our cities, the way we, you know, the city here has just such beautiful murals. I feel like every window I look out of, um, I see a different one, but, um, I think that there's, um, when it comes to equity, there's something about access to information and access to the public dialogue that that art and and visual information um, has a real role to play so you it I think it's very interesting because you work with data and mm-hmm. a lot of you know hard facts but also have this background in art mm-hmm. in your experience have you been more successful to drive hard facts to mm. drive a point or to tell a story yeah you know I think for us it's always a hybrid or that's the best case scenario so you know I think data falls flat without the human component um, and I think it can be very validating for people when they know something to be true about their neighborhood but to then see the hard facts from the research that we've done on how the land in their neighborhood is used or um, kind of what's going on with the safety of streets or the kind of safety within parks or um, so to me, they sort of go hand in hand, and I think that's um, one of the values that we try to bring to our work is how to tell stories using both of those inputs um, and try to build consensus around an idea for how that you know those two inputs can direct change. Perfect. So before we wrap up, I would love to know, from your personal and professional experience, what do you think is the biggest benefit a park can provide for the people and the planet? Oh my goodness. You know, (laughs) it's a very big question in in conclusion. Um, It's a trick question. I know there's no right answer. Yeah, I think that there's, um, you know, when we're in parks, whether they're just down the street or kind of up in the mountains here, I got to go to Chipinque, is that right? Yeah. Yesterday. Parks provide a space for us to unplug and to sort of get lost, whether that's um, in our own thoughts, in conversation with other people, in nature. And I think we are so tied to our devices um, that, and especially in this, you know, pandemic post-pandemic reality of just sort of isolation that that the space the role that parks play in bringing people together is um it's just part of or it should be part of you know who we are as communities as a residents of a city and the benefits that we all get from our parks you know are are so many but i think that there's something about having space um for your brain to process information or work through a problem or just enjoy is um, kind of rare and I think that our parks really make um, are the place for for at least for me for my mind to kind of open to let go of things and to be ready for you know what's next so 
That's lovely. That's a very beautiful answer. Thank you. <laughs> so before we wrap up, where can people find more of you, more of the work you do, more of the work your organization does, and where can people get in touch? Sure. Um, well, the firm that I work for is called Interface Studio. Our website is interface-studio.com. And our Instagram handle shares some of our, you know, visuals or kind of a little bit about the work that we're up to um, on any given day or week. And that's at Interface Studio, all one word. I'm Mindy, M-I-N-D-Y, at interface-studio.com. Perfect. Well, thank you again for joining us, Mindy. It has been a great honor chatting with you. This has been Pod Parks. We hope to see you again soon. Oh, thank you so much. This is the end of today's episode. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a single, single episode. And visit worldurbanparks.org to dive deeper into the world of data analysis and equitable park investments. How do you bring your passions to create a better world? Let us know. Parks is written and hosted by Alice Landon. Produced by Victoria Martin and Luis Romano. Sound engineering by Vladimir Yandis. Don't forget to visit worldurbanparks.org and explore the resources our community has for you. Get out, explore, connect.